ready? Okay, head out. It's time for children's church. Head out. We asked you, Lord, to bless them. Do you need help? We ask you to bless them, Lord. Speak to them. Use them in powerful ways. And we thank you and praise you for it. Lord, we want our children to be kingdom advancers. We want our children to lay hands on the sick and and they'll be recovered. We want our children to speak the word of God with power and might. We want our children to be anointed to evangelize. We want our children ready and able, Lord. So we thank you for blessing their classes today and speaking to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? Are you ready for it to be deposited in your heart? I I bet it has something to do with fulfillment. What do you guys think? You think that's possible? It has something to do with fulfillment? And so did you know that you can draw from people by your longing? Like you, you lean towards her and she's speaking and you're wanting something You want God to speak to you. The more you draw, the more powerful anointing is going to be fall upon her. And so extend your hand towards Rebecca as she comes. And let's pray over her for the word. Lord, it it has to be you. Let Rebecca fade away. And let the spirit of the living God be present, speaking to our hearts, touching us, stirring us. God, only you can unlock places inside of us that we have had been held captive. Only you can minister hope to those places that seem hopeless. Only you can speak to us. So we give you permission, Holy Spirit. Invade us this morning through the powerful, living word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. Why don't you tell your neighbor, God is good. Smile at him while you're looking at him. It's a good day. I'm going to open this morning with a question for you. See if you guys can answer it. Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? How confident are you of this? If you are confident that Jesus is coming again, would you stand? Revelation twenty two seventeen says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Mom. And let those who hear say, Mom. Okay, you got to shout, come a little bit louder. I'm going to say it again. The Spirit and the Bride say, Mom. And let the one who hears say, Mom. Amen. God, we thank you that you are coming again. We are so excited. Jesus, we're excited for your coming. And we thank you that you are going to fulfill that promise that you said you would come again. In Jesus' name, amen. Give someone a high five as you sit down. We got to celebrate that Jesus is coming again.
But I'm going to take you back just a little bit in the Bible. And a long, long time ago, after Moses, but before Jesus, there was kings that ruled on the earth. And one of the king's name was King Ahaz. And he was a very wicked king. He did a lot of wicked, wicked things, abominable things. And when he reigned, he reigned between the age of 20 and 37. And at one point in time, while he was reigning, the, the, at that time, prophets were living in the land. And so the prophet Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah in the Bible, and King Ahaz were standing on the same ground. And there was a lot of stuff going on. There was wars. There was darkness in the earth. There was a lot of different things happening. And at mo different moments, King Ahaz had an encountered Isaiah and he had prophesied to him. But in this one time when Isaiah came and prophesied, and it's Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And God spoke a prophetic word to this wicked king. And, and he was speaking about what was to come in the land. And speaking about what, what he would do and how he would bring this baby, Emmanuel, God with us. And I think, well, why would he even share it with him? Why would he tell him? I even had considered, why was he the first one that got to know? Because he was wicked. And he was all these things that we could say, well, God wouldn't speak to someone such as this about his son. And yet he's always, no matter who it is, going to point Jesus to the person. To, to declare that Jesus is going to come. And I just think that's so exciting because as we move forward in this Christmas season and as Matthew shared in this morning with us about the fulfillment, if you turn to Matthew 1 and you see through the genealogy of Jesus, all the different people, guess who's in that? King Ahaz. And one of the coolest things is that God came to King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah and prophesied about his son and it was 20 generations later that Joseph was on the earth. So he actually prophesied about his great-great-great-grandson of 20 generations later. Because God is looking into your family and seeing what he can speak into your family. And I just think he didn't even have a clue or a frame for what... Um, what that even meant. Yet God was speaking into the destiny of his family that Jesus would be born. And I just love that because then Joseph comes on the scene and it says that, that Joseph was there and then you get the account of Joseph's story. And I want to like really touch on who Joseph was in this story. He was a man that was part of the lineage of Jesus. And he was doing life. How many of you guys doing life? None of you. <laughs> you're engaging in life. You're, you, you're working. You're doing the things. He was engaged to this girl, Mary. You know, just doing life, thinking about, oh. I mean, once you get engaged, I assume, like, you're thinking about, like, oh, the house we're going to have. The kids we might have someday. All the wonder and excitement in that, right? Building a family, a home together. What is it going to look like? What, where are we going to stay? What side of the bed is, 
the person going to get on? You know, you're thinking about all the different things when you're going to marry someone, like how you're going to share. Well, am I going to have to cook all the time? You know, are they going to actually empty the dishwasher? You know, you're, you're thinking about all the things like married people, like what's it going to look like? <laughs> And so he's thinking about all the things and he's living life and he's working and he's preparing his heart. It says that he was actually a righteous, just man. And so in Matthew 1:18, it says, now the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with the child from the Holy Spirit. And I thought about Joseph in this hour. He found out the news. (laughs) All the things he was thinking. And then like, now you're sitting on a side of suspicion. Well, what's going on? What do you mean you're pregnant? What'd you do? What happened? I want to know all the details. And then the sorrow possibly of the loss of like, I'm not staying in this. You know, I'm not going to live through this. Maybe the fear and the hurt, the rejection, like all the things he felt. He was human. He felt all those things. He was going to be married to this girl, and now she totally destroyed all those hopes, all those dreams, all the ideas of all the home-cooked meals that he was going to get from her. All of it was crushed. It was. It was crushed. Don't read the story too quickly. Life happens in the paragraphs between the words. And so you have to see the, the story and it says her husband Joseph being a just and, unwill, and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly. And it continues in verse 20 it says and, and as he considered these things he was trying to figure it out like what am I going to do? How do I do this? I don't want to be with her. I don't want to put her to shame. I want out of the situation. I don't like this very much. This is hurtful and painful and frustrating. And what is everyone going to think? And all the things that you could think. And as he was considering it, have you ever found yourself considering the things that are happening in your life and you find yourself sleepless? Find yourself like pondering, like, how is this even going to work? Do you have any situation in your life? You're like, I don't even know how this is going to even work out. How am I ever going to figure this out? I, and you, you start navigating, I, for me, I'm a thinker, so I'm always thinking like, okay, could it go this way? Wait, wait, this way? Maybe that way? Maybe this way? That, uh, you've got all these thoughts and like you just can't figure it out. And so he's sitting there contemplating, considering how do I do this? How in the world is this going to happen? And he probably, <laughs> oh, sitting in his room, in his house, just like I can't, laboring laboring over the, what is this supposed to be like? This, it's all of the things. Just like pausing and thinking and wondering and considering and how do I do this and what, and what are my parents going to say and my friends and all the things. And he ended up just deciding to go to sleep. Or he was so stressed out that he just fell asleep. And as he's taking a nap, the angel of the Lord spoke to him in his dream. So he was not dreaming about pizza. In that position, when you're asleep, you know what you can't do? Talk back. You can't have a discussion while you're sleeping. You're sleeping. 
So the Lord can speak to you and you don't got to have to have any words to say back because he's just going to tell you how it is. And that's kind of what the angel of the Lord did to Joseph. Look, this is how it is. I'm commanding you to do these things. And it says, I also want you to know that as you're sleeping, he knows exactly where you are and he knows your name. So he says, Joseph, son of David. There was no confusion there. Yes, I'm sleeping and I am Joseph. That's me. Yep, it didn't change. When I fell asleep, I did not become someone else. It was him. He knew exactly. So God knows how to say, Susie. I don't know who your dad is, so daughter of someone. (laughs) He knows you more than I know you, obviously. (laughs) And he said, do not fear So he actually knows how to deal with your emotions. All the things you're feeling, he knows how to speak right to them. All the fear, all the contemplation, all the the things that you're walking through that you're not sure about, he can speak right to it and says, do not fear. Because he's like, I got a plan. He says, take Mary, your wife, for your wife, for that which she's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel spoke to him very clearly, commanding him what he should do and how he should do it. He actually prophesied of what was to come, that you will have a son, and when he comes, you're going to name him Jesus. And in verse 22 and 23, it says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife, but knew her not until until she had given birth to the son and called his name Jesus. And Mary is in the house this morning. You all cheer for her as she comes. I want to give you a picture this morning. A moment to reset. Maybe opening your heart to the plan of God in your life. Joseph needed to do that. He needed to humble himself before the Lord and say, I'm, I can be about your plan. This story doesn't seem to fit the exact way I was thinking it would go. We took a little left turn here. And now I'm looking at my, my wife and she's pregnant with this baby. And every time he looked at her, he might have been standing on this side and been like, she said it was the Holy Spirit, but... Hmm. I've never seen that happen before. Um, Yeah. And he could have been mad at her. He could have been frustrated with her in moments. And then he had to step on this side and say, but I've decided that I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Oh yeah, that's Jesus in there. And even when I can't see it, God's working and that's Jesus. And then, and maybe then he was on this side and she's starting to be like, I really want some brownies. And he's, she's making him do all the things. And she, he's like, I wasn't even part of this. 
And this is not what I chose this to be like and what it looks like. And I'm not even getting what I want right now. But then he had to stand on this side of her and say, but yeah, but I've decided that that is Jesus and my decision and my focus and my vision is going to be Jesus. Baby, whatever you want, I got it. You need candy and popcorn and milk. I got chocolate milk. We got, we can, we can get a cow, whatever it looks like. I don't know. You know, like he's fixing his decision. His mind is decided. And then maybe he's sitting on this side and he's like, what you looking at? Like all the people that were looking at the situation that could have been like, what is Joseph even doing with her? All the opinions, all the controversy of it, all the things that people might have been saying because we all got something to say sometime. How many times you got something to say? Maybe, you know, that people, and so he's sitting and listening and watching people look at it and yet he's got to stand on this side. But yes, I had a dream and I have decided that this is Jesus and Jesus is who she's bearing. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And then when she's over here and she's like, honey, just feel my kick, the kicks of the baby. And he's like, that feels so weird. You know, all the things he could be feeling. And he's like, he's feeling it now. It's not just like a, 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 like at first when someone first gets pregnant, you don't really know. And then they get a little bit pregnant and you're like, well, did they just eat too many brownies? And you're kind of, you know. And now you, then, then they get real pregnant and you're like, okay, they're like waddling, you know. Now he's feeling like he actually has the feeling. Sometimes we want that feeling of Jesus. We want to actually put our hands on that, that space and actually say, oh, I can actually feel it. It's not just something in my mind anymore. I'm feeling this little one kick. I'm starting to feel the movement of the baby. And then he has to be like, oh yeah, that is Jesus. And I'm keeping my eyes and fixed on Jesus. See, it's easy for us to read through these pages and think about it that, 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 well, he just believed. Check. And he did just what the Lord commanded. Check. How many of you guys said the Lord has said something to you and like three days later you're still debating whether he said it? You jump real quick and then you're like, ah, I'm going to take 10 steps back this way. You know, we all have that innate, innate per- person in us, that flesh. For nine months he was watching and and waiting and thinking and like, what is going to happen and how is this going to be? And so in that gap between the time of the prophecy and the fulfillment of the baby being born, he lived in that space. And that's where the Holy Spirit has to be alive in your life. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to set your vision and your fix your focus that no matter what it looks like, that I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Everyone give Mary a hand clap. See, at the start of this, you all confidently declare that Jesus was coming again. Amen. So we are all in the same gap awaiting the arrival of the king. You find yourself in the same place, wondering and waiting and watching and, and desiring. And then it says in 2 Peter 1.19, it says, we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed. That prophetic word is the word that Jesus is coming again. 
And it was very confirmed through Peter. He was like, yeah, I was on the mountain. I saw the things. I know that he's coming again. And it says to which you should do very well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. I don't want to blind anybody, but I kind of like want you to get the clear point of view that like it should be very bright in your mind. That it should never grow dim the fact that Jesus is coming again. The darkness in the world is very real. The darkness maybe in your situation is real. And yet we're supposed to, it says, to do very well, to pay attention to the lamp shining in a dark place until that day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Today is a good day to reset your vision, to fix your focus on Jesus, that he's coming again, to pay attention. And in 2 Peter 121, it says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God and as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit is required in the midst of prophecy. Just as the Holy Spirit worked on the situation with Mary, he was working, and he's working in your situation. We just sang songs of, even when I can't see it, he's working. You have to firmly position your mind and heart towards Jesus, the author, the, the, that, he, that soon and rising star, that, that coming again, that he is coming again. The Holy Spirit was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. How many years later? See, it's about what, what are you going to do? Joseph had that same um, moment. The Lord spoke to him and then he had to decide, I'm going to participate. How are you participating in the prophetic that Jesus is coming again? What are you actively doing? It says that in 2 Peter 3 verse 1, I'm going to read it to you because I want you to understand what Peter's telling you. See, Peter was on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter walked with Jesus. And Peter was there when Jesus rose again. And he says, now, I send the second letter that I'm writing you, beloved. It says, in both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commands of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. Stirring up. Stirring that up, stirring it up inside of you, reminding yourself that, oh yeah, Jesus is coming again. We lose sight of that so much as believers. Oh yeah, he's coming again. When's the last time you told somebody that Jesus is coming again? That, you're, that he's, he's going to come, but you've got to get ready because he's coming. He's coming. Did you know that he's coming? We might not know the hour or the day. That's all right, but we know he's coming. And so we have to start, start getting ready because in 2 Peter 3 verse 4, it says when, when we're going to have people in the world going, well, when is that promise going to happen? When is it actually, you know, the scoffers, those that are going to be like, I mean, you said he was coming, but I mean, it's been a couple hundred years now. You know, I, have you even considered like, well, well you, maybe he will come in my lifetime. Some people get on the bandwagon and they're like, he's going to come this year. 
I mean, he might come today. He could come this hour. You don't know when he's going to come. And that's what's so exciting about it. It's like there's going to be this boom, excitement of this fulfillment of this prophecy that Christ is coming. You can't get so distracted by the world. You can't get so overwhelmed by the world. You have to participate in this prophecy because it says in 2 Peter 3.12, just look at it. It's saying as you're ready, it says waiting and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. That means hurrying the coming of the Lord. Are you waiting and hurrying the day of the Lord? It says because of which the heavens will be set fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And then it continues like we're supposed to be waiting with great expectation that he's coming again. Every day, do you find yourself just waiting? Like, is he going to be today? Are you actually hurrying it up? Saying, come on, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come. And then it says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9 and 10. See, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come and reach repentance. See, the purpose of his patience is the Lord desires salvation. That's how we're supposed to participate. That we're actually reaching people for the kingdom. That every day our daily plan maybe is like do the dishes, reach someone for Jesus. Go fill the gas tank, reach someone for Jesus. Do my job, reach someone for Jesus. Bathe my kids, reach someone for Jesus. Like our daily plan should be full of reaching people for Jesus. Planting seeds, going out and reaching the lost. Like not delaying that, that, that idea that that's what his desire is. That's the heart of God. In 2 Peter 3.15, it says, And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. So as you're waiting and thinking, well, when is he going to come? How much longer is it going to take? He's saying, I'm ready for this person to get saved and to see that person get saved. And I want you to participate in this person coming to Jesus. And I want you to shine really bright over here so that whole region in Walworth can get saved. Might we, be, might we need to have a reset of our vision? We set our minds on so many things and we need to set our mind according to the word that we might find avenues and places and people that we could prophesy over. When is the last time you drove through your neighborhood and prophesied that every house will be saved? Today we, re- we sang a song and it says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And we sing it with gusto. Have you driven through your neighborhood and said, neighbors, hear the word of the Lord. Come on. When's the last time you went into the jail and declared, jail, hear the word of the Lord. There's salvation for you and, and there's freedom for you and there's hope for your situation. When is the last time that you went to the meanest coworker you have? The one that's grr. Hear the word of the Lord. He loves you. When's the last time that we, you went out of your comfort little box 
that you weren't so chained to your comfort that you didn't go into the hospital and declare, I have a God that heals. I know him and he lives because you want to know something, the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead hasn't changed. It's the same power. It is so available. There isn't anything that can hinder that power. Come on, the body of Christ, you got to cheer. You got to get excited about this because if you're not excited in here, you ain't going to do anything out there. You won't. When you get to heaven and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, it says, behold, I'm coming. I'm bringing my recompense and I'll repay each one for what he has done. And in Revelation, that's a few verses later. When you get there, he's not going to ask you how many sales you made at your job. He's not going to ask you about how well you brush your children's hair every day. He's not going to ask you if you kept your teeth up and brushed them. He's not going to ask you about your spending and your grocery lists and all the things that we can get so consumed with as a people that we lose sight of Jesus in our daily He's going to ask you, whom did you reach? And where did you plant the seeds? And how many people did you see come to Jesus? And that's what he's going to ask you. He desires that out of our lives. And so even if you, and maybe it's for those that you know. Maybe you're like, well, I, I'm not ever going to go into jail. Probably won't go into the hospital either. I probably would tend to avoid that. But what about the people you know? like your friends and your friends' teenagers. And maybe when you go and it's your mother or your grandfather and you're prophesying over them, all the people, that they'll come to Jesus. Maybe it's you just deciding that my reset vision is I'm going to prophesy over my family every day. That my whole household are going to walk in the kingdom. That my whole household is going to be saved. That my whole household's going to be living for Jesus and set free. That my whole household will be healed. My whole household will be full of hope. See, in Corinthians, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. The Holy Spirit is so alive and so well, and he's without limits in your life. What if more of your conversation and more of the things that you said are prophesying truth over people? Live prophesying favor over you. I'm prophesying health over you. I'm prophesying that the kingdom of God will be alive and breathing through you. I'm prophesying that your light will shine brighter in the darkest places. I mean, prophesying, pick a thing and just to say, I'm going to just declare that over this next year, every single day, my children will serve God and never give a day to the devil. I mean, you got to pick something, pick something big. Just grow in that space that you might actually just in the gap. You're in the gap. You get to live in this time. You get to experience the earth and the fullness of God in the earth. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. See, Mary was the only one at that time that actually had God in her. Yet you get to have the Holy Spirit living in you and working through you and doing amazing things because Jesus spoke to in, in Revelations, verse 12 and 13 says, behold, I am coming soon. 
You have to believe that, that he's coming soon. It's not for only for us to look forward, but as we are remembering the story of Jesus and the birth, to look back and say, oh, he did that. He did fulfill what he said he was going to do. He fulfilled it and fulfilled it and fulfilled it. And there was boom, 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 boom. And he's going to do it again. To remember that and understand all the moments that he has shown up for you. Why won't he show up for you? If you go and pray for someone, don't you think he loves them more than you? That he will show up and love them? If you show up with the name of Jesus, it says when you lift Jesus' name up, he'll draw all men onto him. So you can, you can just trust in that, that promise. You have to trust in the promises of the word of God. It is God with us, Emmanuel, the Holy Spirit living in you. And we need to look to him hastening his coming with excitement and hope and power. Would you stand? Revelation twenty two seventeen. as we started, we're going to end because it says the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one that works the word and the bride, which is you, say... We're going to do it one more time so we can be in unison. The spirit and the bride say, and let the one who hears say, in Jesus' beautiful name, amen. God, I'm asking this morning that you would stir up the gifts of prophecy within us, that we would realize the power of our tongue, that as we speak over our family, over our neighbors, over our community. We declare that they will be saved and set free, whole and healed and delivered. That you would bring salvation to Walworth County and to every household that's represented this morning. That not one would be lost. God, we thank you for your patience towards us in your coming. That we might see more and more and more people come to Jesus. God, stir our heart of compassion Stir our heart of zeal. Stir our heart of of love. Stir us up with what we need that we might reach those that we encounter. God, we ask that you would set up divine appointments that we might speak your truth and declare your kingdom over people's lives. That we would keep our vision fixed on Jesus. You are so good, God. And we love you so much. Would you just tell him and we just declare, I love you, God. We do. We just love you so much. And we're so thankful. We are so thankful that you saved us, God. Might we share it with the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Put your hand in your heart this morning. Mm. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. And the Spirit and the Bride said...
Amen.